Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm your host, Aaron Freinberger. Thanks for all the feedback you've given us. Also, we're really happy to see you sending in your stories. If you have a story you'd like to share, please contact us at facebook.com stateroad49. Today's story is from Jason Oxidine. Here we go. So uh, I just remember the doctor, Jessica, was sitting in recovery after having the surgery to clean up uh, different stuff uh, that was going on. And I said, so will we be able to have children? And the doctor kept on kind of like avoiding the question. I'm like, listen, lady, I'm, <laughs> you know, just tell me I'm okay. I can deal with it. I'm not going to break down this little tiny woman's Jessica's uh, doctor. I'm like, I'm not going to fall on you crying. I promise. But uh, she said, yeah, um, Mr. Oxendine, you're, you're never going to be able to naturally have children. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. We just wanted to be a mom and dad. Uh, Jessica and I, uh, we grew up in in church together in Pensacola, and uh, we dated off and on throughout high school, and then uh, we got back together when she moved to Birmingham in, uh, I think that was 2001, something like that. But we knew each other, we were close friends, and uh, we started dating. And that, uh, in our first year of marriage, uh, she's a volleyball coach, and track coach and cross-country coach, and I coached football, baseball, and also was the Bible teacher at our uh, Christian school there, and we helped both volunteered in youth. So we were too busy in our first year. We were always on the go and really didn't think a whole lot uh, of, I guess, uh, we always knew we wanted children, thought about having children, but we didn't get married till we were 25, so it really wasn't necessarily a one of our first priorities as we're always on the go. In fact, I remember us getting a, a, a miniature dachshund uh, puppy dog when, uh, when we were newly married. And I thought, you know what, this, this will satisfy the urge of wanting to have children. Yeah, it's always and, the dog first. <laughs> it, it is, oh, gosh, a little, uh, so I'm a 300 pound man with a little six pound miniature dachshund. Yeah, that- Much walks? Bro, bro, <laughs> it, it, was, it was peculiar looking, but nevertheless. As we were, Jessica and I, we started getting kind of antsy. We we're youth pastors. We always had kids over the house. And uh, we we're like, you know, it'd be great to get pregnant. And uh, we kept on not getting pregnant. And so we, she went to her doctor, talked to her normal girl doctor. And uh, probably th- two, three years, 
before we started seeing like specialty doctors. And uh, we, uh, we were told at one point in time, you need to go see this specialist. And her doctor, her normal doctor was like, hey, how old are you? And she goes, I'm 32, something like that. And he goes, oh my gosh, you're AMA. And I'm like, what's AMA? And of course, AMA is advanced maternal age. And it's probably the first time I felt old. <laughs> so. We were doing some specialty treatments that were expensive at the time. And it was wild how uh, when we were doing some of these treatments and some of these shots that she had to take, they made about two or three thousand dollars and some of them about five thousand dollars. Yeah, we were optimistic. Uh, we were optimistic about all the different things we were doing. And uh, we went through uh, advanced fertility treatments of different things. We've done everything uh, but in vitro as far as treatment for us getting pregnant. And uh, I mean, that's just been expensive along the way to go through some of that. And insurance really doesn't cover a lot of that. It doesn't cover it all in the state that we're in, in Indiana, uh, of specialty treatments. We were probably under treatment probably for maybe a good solid two, three years where we go and just not just talk to a specialist. Jessica had to receive special injection treatments, shots, um, all kind of different things that would regulate uh, her hormones and um, would boost her uh, uh, the egg production. And I think there's one point in time where they're going to marry my sperm uh, with the eggs, but there's one point in time when I think she had almost like seven, seven eggs that were in her uh, uterus, and uh, they were like, listen, if uh, her body, she's so tiny, there's no way that she could hold multiple children. So if you're comfortable, we can go forward with eggs, but then we're going to terminate those eggs. I mean, the embryos, if like you can only hold two and if five. And we were, and we came down, I mean, this week, you're, basically your beliefs really hit the road. And you're like, listen, we don't believe in, in termination of any pregnancy. And I know, I think later, uh, come to find out that there's stuff that they can do as far as freezing and some of the different things. At the time, I don't think that was ever an option for us. So they, uh, at that one point in time, I just remember that that one doctor visit, she had like five or seven eggs. And then we said, listen, we're not gonna terminate. We, we, we can't, uh, that's just not us. Felt like it was a little bit of a moral dilemma, but the decision had already been made by us. If something like that had happened, we were just like, you know, uh, this is who we are. We're not just talking about, uh, let's question this belief until it really hits my doorstep. Uh, that, that's in no way, shape, or form uh, acceptable, especially in our mindset and our, definitely in our belief system. So we went and talked to them, and we had a couple of more uh, what's called IUIs, and, um, and uh, we just didn't get to see any results. So um, it was frustrating, man. You you know, you, some of that I 
yeah, I kind of internalize it and I think back to everything I've ever done wrong and every part of me that's counseled other people that said, no, man, your pastor's in the past, the son of the blood of, uh, of Jesus, you're forgiven for some of the different stuff. And I, I couldn't help but internalize and you start to question. I question myself as as the, the man, God, what, what am I doing wrong? Uh, why, why is this kind of stuff happening to me? Uh, we started praying away, actually. We prayed away a lot of times the the desire, God, take away the desire to be a father. That I'd still have these dreams playing with my kids and different things. And uh, most of the time on Father's Day, it was, it was, it was tough. And I, I'd get through, you just, I'd bull rush through uh, all of it. And on Mother's Day, it was, it, was, it was like prying Jessica out of the bed to get her to come to church. Because everybody's celebrating and we want to celebrate with them. And as pastors, we want we want everybody to be excited about being mothers and being fathers and all that. And we definitely don't want to project our feelings of man, we we feel incomplete or we we don't know that blessing or we're envious or jealous or something like that. So it's one of those different kinds. You kind of got to slap yourself in the face, splash water, and say, hey, we're going to get through this. And but it was a struggle, you know, as we celebrate motherhood and fatherhood on those days. And here we are with the desire. Well, I just want to be called dad, and we just want to be called mom and dad and, and have those different things. So uh, it, it, was, it was a struggle at times. I'm a deductive thinker. I'm just like, well, if you can't do it this way, then let's see about adoption. And so we, uh, we kind of uh, researched how we do adoption and do adoption here in Indiana. And we, we went uh, and found a, a great facilitator of adoptions down in Indianapolis. I mean, we signed up. I think it was like $1,000 for us to uh, just go in after we did uh, an initial interview and they found, we talked to them, they talked to us, and they're like, hey, we're going to put you on this plan of how um, you can be ready for adoption. And they would be from families and people that had relationship and uh, we didn't care. It would be an open adoption or closed adoption. We didn't mind. We didn't care about the nationality of the baby or what culture or whatever. We just wanted to be a mom and dad. And through all that, that was going to end up costing probably about thirty-two, thirty-three $33,000. We just didn't have that money. We'd spent a lot on our medical things that started in Pensacola and proceeded into Indiana. And so we're just like, wow, we, we want to do this. We just financially can't do this. It came to a point where finally the doctor here, she said, you're, you're never going to be pregnant. From that moment on, we're like, we got to figure out a if this is a natural desire, if this is the desire of our heart, we, we've got to pursue either adoption, and I, I threw out the idea, maybe we can be foster parents. And when we got into the, the crux of um, the cost of adoption and the lawyers and the how-tos and all the different things, it just didn't work for us financially. We couldn't, we couldn't, the regular route of adoption. We started to explore the idea of, of fostering, and. Um, uh, Jessica and I were in, uh, in Pensacola visiting our folks, and um, 
somebody calls me and says, hey, there's a family that we're interested in having a child up for adoption, a little boy. And we're like, okay. And they said, is it okay we give your name and number? I was like, sure. So they ended up calling us that night while we are on vacation, and the lady talked to us a little bit, and we were super excited, oh my gosh, uh, to talk about this little boy that uh, we could be foster parents. We were so excited, we left from vacation. We routed ourselves a little bit differently. That way we can go visit this family that had this little boy. And uh, of course, uh, you're talking to a couple that they're just, we have this huge desire to be to be parents. And this, we, 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 they answer the door and we, we see this little boy for the first time and we're just overwhelmed and I've got curly hair, this little boy's got curly hair and he's got green eyes, I have green eyes and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this could be my kid. <laughs> so we just instantly fell in love. Oh man, we, we just knew that this was the answer to prayer. And uh, getting this little boy, it was amazing. Uh, you know, everything just kind of, we felt like it just dovetailed. Uh, uh, utilizing and the people here at the, the church with our preschool, they were just wonderful. Uh, and, 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 you know, we were able to get him in pre, or early pre-K. And so it was, just, it was just amazing. And, you know, going home, Jessica was just through the roof. And it's, it's wild to see parts of your wife that you thought you just, you pray for. You, you pray for your children, you pray for children, and pray and pray and pray. And then when you see this motherly aspect of your wife, it was something weird that just turned inside my brain. I was like, wow, I admire this woman even more, and I fell in love with her even more. It sounds stupid, but um, it was amazing to me to see her as a mom, and she was, she was a great mom. And then uh, things didn't just didn't work out with that family, and we 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 lost that little boy. And uh, a decision that had to be made with the family and different things. And we got cleared by the court system to be able to adopt, but there was another family interested that was just stuff didn't work out in the court system. But I remember having that phone call that finally let us know that that door was closing. And I remember uh, telling Jessica when she got home and she just wilted, uh, wilted in my arms. And that was a bad day. I was, I was mad. You feel like that's just God saying, this is the right path. This is what I have for you. And this is what I have for you. And you feel like all along, those are things that are just confirmation. And you just know upon no, upon no, upon no. It's not the audible voice of God, but it's just the presence of, wow, this just lined up. God, you're such a good God. And then all of a sudden that door gets slammed. And, and I have my wife in, holding her in my arms, and she's just sobbing. Before she got home, I remember going through the baby room, and I cleaned out the cabinets of all the sippy cups and the plates and and all the baby stuff. And I remember pouring out all the milk and all the different food we had for him. And I remember, uh, I remember just getting that out of her viewpoint because I didn't want to cause her any more pain when she got home. After that kind of didn't materialize and that just was a door that would just closed on us, um, we, we finally got 
to, to the point where we're licensed foster parents and, and we say, hey, we, we would love to have a child this age or you know, whatever background or whatever. We want to open our, our house up. We want to be a family that's fostered to adopt. And so um, it seemed like it took forever. I got a phone call from um, basically the, the foster agency and they said, hey, we have this little girl. And I was like, oh, okay, because we always thought, okay, it's going to be another little boy. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a little girl. She's 18 months old, and they sent us a picture, curly-headed little girl, a beautiful brown-eyed little girl, and uh, we were just, like, overwhelmed. She was in another foster home, and it wasn't a normal foster home. The, the, the family that had her, if you were to describe kind of the environment, very godly household, and it, the environment they have for children, they had already adopted, I think, two or three other foster children, so they, they weren't ready to adopt another uh, foster child. And so Anaya was in an environment that was a prayerful environment, and when we saw her for the first time, I think the only thing that she really said a lot of was no. <laughs> and uh, so we went there, and there were two little girls that just adored her, and she adored them, but when we got into the place, uh, she was just smiling. And she's got a beautiful little smile, and you're just taken back. This little, I mean, it's almost like a, a, a little baby model, little girl. And of course, we saw pictures of her, but when we, we met her for the first time, we were just completely overwhelmed. And it, it was amazing. The family that had her, they're just loving and compassionate. We took her home, and she's, it was amazing. We got her French fries. The, the girl, the foster mother said, make sure she gets French fries. She loves French fries. And of course, she, she loved the French fries. And we got her home. She wanted to sit in our lap, and she wanted to play and run. And she just loved the, the dogs. And she loved her room, loved her bed. And so when uh, we were talking to the, the, the foster mother that had her, we're making arrangements. We're like, hey, we love her. We adore her. She's, she's doing well here. She goes, well, if it's a good fit, why don't we just make arrangements and you come pick up the rest of her stuff and you keep her there? So we're working with a foster um, agency and they're like, yeah, that works. Everything works. Everything's smooth. And we're just like, she's ours now. Of course, she's the ward of the state and there's stuff with the biological family that we have to go through the court system about. So that's kind of looming, but we, we had custody of this little girl and it was just it was just amazing and it is amazing you know you, you're always told that uh, your life changes in so many different ways I don't think I've watched regular television <laughs> my life is now filled with PJ masks Paul Patrol is huge and it's funny I'd hear Pastor John, after he gets all his foster uh, children, all the shows he's talking about, and actually he's talking about cartoons that the kids love, and he's talking about how funny they are. And I'm like, dude, you're so stupid. <laughs> Let's talk about football. Let's talk about the Bears and the Cubs or talk about normal TV shows. We're just talking about the kids' shows. Now I'm kind of talking about, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I saw that PJ Mask episode, or I, I saw that. Looking back, I would have never thought things would happen this way, and I never would have chosen them to happen this way. Yeah, I have to look and say, yeah, God has prepared us in so many different weird ways that we've never chosen, and it was painful. It makes me get emotional thinking about how God prepared us for that, because if there was 
never the little boy in our life, we would have never been prepared for Anaya. Actually, her name means God answers. So it's, it's just cool how God does answer some of those prayers. Once again, that was Jason Oxendine, who we'd like to thank for sharing his story. And we'd like to thank you for listening. For those who are keeping track, you'll notice that next month is our one-year anniversary. Next episode, we'll have something a little bit different for you. Stay tuned. I'm Aaron Freinberger, and you've been listening to State Road 49. Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc, the number 3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Tom's Kilobas. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana. 